History Podcast where we talk about unusual things that happen in history. I'm Amelia Evans, and with me is my co-host Barnaby King. Hello everyone! And today I'm actually going to talk about something that isn't particularly unusual. Okay. But is maybe just a bit more unexpected. Okay. So, you know when you watch basically any TV show or film that's set before like the 1970s? Yeah. In Britain, mm-hmm. or in some fantasy universe that's based on European medieval history. Mm, Game of Thrones sort of thing. Game of Thrones, The Witcher, maybe? Yeah, okay. Uh, pretty much everyone's white, would you say? Yes. Occasionally, you might get that one black character. <laughs> Tokenism definitely exists in fantasy universes. It really does, <laughs> and it's like... Do they just spring up from somewhere? Is there some mysterious place where the black people live in your fantasy universe that you'll never go to? Oh god, like some hideous compound <laughs> where they're, they're, you send out for them. Yes, yeah, so you, you've got your like adventurers group and you're like, we will have one, please. <laughs> you get a little voucher, a little number on it. Yeah. Please wait your turn for your black person. Absolutely. Oh, god. oh my god. <laughs> Okay, so this this episode, I am going to like probably do an apology right here because I'm going to do my best to talk about black history. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm very white. Yes, you are. And so are you. Well, that's to be... Yeah, no, I am very white as well. <laughs> well, I'm very white. <laughs> We're living in Norwich, for God's sake. <laughs> we live in Norwich, for God's sake. Oh, and dear. like, the town I come from, there was like, one black man. Yeah... Yeah, I, I, I used to work in the pharmacy for that uh, for that village. Yeah. Which, you say town. Town is a generous term it's for... It's technically a town. Is it? Yes. Really? There's I... like 6,000 people there. I know, I looked it up. It's a very small town. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I would call it a village. Yeah. Like, even if not for, like, technical terminology for it, it looks like a village. The aesthetic is definitely Midsummer Murders. That airplane or helicopter is definitely going to be picked up by the audio. Yeah, but this was a good bit, so that's not kind of... I know, that's really... It's so annoying. You know, some point soon, we're going to get better microphones, which means that, you know, they can be much closer to our face and just pick up us. Because at the moment, we've got a table with a microphone sitting proudly and erect in the the centre. Yeah, okay, so... But getting back to, like... Yeah. Yeah, so... My apologies beforehand, I'm going to do my best with this. Mm. Um, it is, like, a problematic subject, mm. but I think it's important to talk about it because of everything that's going on at the moment. Yeah, so... Spoilers, guys, I kind of know a bit about what this episode is going to be about. I don't know the specifics of it, but I do know what it's going to be about. And we were actually discussing this quite a while ago about this episode, and... At that point, and now to bring in some real-world seriousness, I do apologise, it was when the whole George Floyd stuff first kicked off that we first started discussing this particular episode. It and was there... the beginning of, like, the riots and the police brutality and yeah. everything like that. So, for a while, we were kind of like, should we put this episode out, like, sooner rather than later? Because, you know, it's quite relevant. And then, sadly, we both came to the conclusion that, you know what, it doesn't matter when we put this out, because it's always going to be relevant. And you know what? It still is. Still is. Still is. I can't believe the stuff... Well, I can believe the stuff I'm reading on the news, but it's depressing. So... 
I'm we... gonna still try and like be jokey while we're doing yeah. this. Um, we're we're gonna do our best, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I am sorry if we like make any slips. Yeah. But like, we'll do our best. So. Thinking back to like my original point, we've got all these TV shows where there's like maybe one black person, mm. probably none. Yeah. And if there is one black person, then you know you're gonna get those people online who like whine about historical accuracy. Yeah. In fact, thinking about you mentioned The Witcher earlier, mm-hmm. I believe it's Triss is uh, black in the TV show. Yeah. Or she's at least a person of color. She's a person of color. Yes. And. Oh my. Oh my Oh God. my, the comments. How dare she not be white with red hair? <laughs> it's like, who cares? No one Oh my God. Well, white supremacists well, give yeah, a shit, yeah. but yeah. And also people who are like weirdly into redheads. Yeah, that's a thing. That's really a thing. Yeah. Hey ho. Okay, hey so ho. I'll be reading another book. Hooray! This is called Black Tudors by Miranda Kaufman. And it's absolutely brilliant. I 100% recommend it to anyone who's interested in black history or in the Tudor or Stuart eras. I'm sorry, but I still can't help but think black Tudors, robots in disguise. I'm out. Oh, dear. Um, If it helps, black Tudors isn't just about black people in Tudor times. It's also about black people in Stuart times. But it's an incredible book. I mean, it still has that cadence. Black Tudors, black Stuarts. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, they're not robots in disguise though. They were real people. So the way that Miranda Kaufman lays out this book is that she does 10 stories of black people living in England in the Tudor and Stuart eras that we can like map out their lives. Strap in folks, this podcast episode is gonna be about six hours long by the sounds (laughs) of it. Uh, I'm gonna focus on one of them today, so don't worry. Um, But I'm gonna talk about the book a little bit first, just so you know where I'm getting my information from. Yeah, sure. Like, there are probably gonna be some arguments online about some of the points that Kaufman's made. Kaufman? Kaufman? Not sure. How's Um, it spelled? K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. Kaufman, Kaufman. Kaufman? I mean, I'd say Kaufman. Let's try Kaufman. Miranda, if you're listening, please let me know how you say your name. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, we're going to go with Kaufman. I mean, I'd go with Kaufman because that's more like the German pronunciation of it, where I'm assuming that name comes from. I guess so. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's not really important, but we're going to go with Kaufman. Let's go with Kaufman. So she talks about 10 different people and, like... In talking about these 10 people, she also talks about loads and loads of other people where we know, like, fragments about their life, where they're mentioned once. Yeah. Which is kind of the case for most people in Tudor times. Like, you'll get one thing on a record. Yeah. And that'll be it. Okay. So, um, the fact that you only have the one instance of people's lives is not, like, that surprising. Mm. But it means that while having these 10 lives that we can look at the whole of them, we also have loads and loads and loads of other people that we know were living in England and were around. Right. Um, so we got to a cha- we've got to challenge these assumptions about like black people in Tudor England because the thing is, they were there. And they weren't just in London, which is kind of normally you go, okay, so like capital city. Mm. Uh, they were also living in coastal cities like Southampton, and there were some who were even living independent lives in the countryside. Hmm. I mean, my expectation, to be honest, would have been coastal places rather than London, to be honest. I mean, Fair obviously enough. obviously there is, like, uh, waterborne trading going on in London. Yeah. But I would have expected it to be more coastal places, but countryside as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay. So, like, the last story that she tells is the story of this woman... 
in the Stuart era, who was living, I think it's Gloucestershire, maybe? Oh, right, okay. Um, and she had a cow. We know that she had a cow because um, the records... Bart Simpson would be furious. <laughs> the records of her are all from, like, what she left behind after she died. But she was living right. by herself. Oh, okay. And, um, like, as a lodger to another single lady. And... Hmm. No, no. Really, you say? <laughs> and, um... And, like, the records of her are all the things she left behind. So she clearly had, like, an independent lifestyle in this, like, village. She was a strong, independent black woman who don't need no man, but do need a cow. Yes, absolutely. Right. You do need a cow. Yeah. So, also, to address something that's going to come up, according to Kaufman, and she's got some reasonable evidence to back this up that she uses throughout the book, so I'm not going to give you all the examples. Yeah. Technically, none of these black Tudors in England were slaves. Oh, okay, cool. Um, which is like one of those things where you look back in history and you're like, ah, black people before like the 1700s, they must have been enslaved. But no. No, I, I, to be honest, I, I didn't think that particularly because I kind of, I don't know specific details of when the slave trade was in full swing mm -hmm. but i kind of in my head put it as like just post the tudor area yeah and you'd be absolutely right right but it was starting up in right. the tudor era okay so like there were italians living in england mm -hmm. who appear to have black slaves right and we know that um there were black people enslaved by the italians at the time right we also know that the spanish who were just starting their empire in latin america right um started enslaving black people to take them to latin america okay. to be their slaves there um basically because they're trying to start up a whole empire and they need free labor okay so this is pre the sort of like big american slave trade that we kind of know of yes we're right. not talking about like the full transatlantic slave trade right but it's starting to get going right it's a it's a sort of feasibility study almost pretty much like <laughs> oh, good. throughout this like the english come off pretty well in the early history of the slave trade hmm. but i want to make it really clear that it's super apparent the reason why the english weren't getting involved at this point was that they weren't going to make much cash out of it. Yeah. Later on, they were, and it was way easier, and that's when the English started up the mm. massive, massive transatlantic slave trade and were super responsible for it. So we can't, like, deny any responsibility. No, I mean, this is the thing that I think has been brought up in my mind in recent months since the uh, Black Lives Matter movement had started up again in full force, and we got things like the... Um, the statues being pulled pulled down and defaced and a lot of people sort of going, oh, it's getting rid of our history and everything like that. Oh, yeah. I kind of feel... I don't know. I, I wonder if this is just a thing for me or, like, for other people, but I kind of get this feeling that I, I don't mind any of that stuff because I don't feel directly connected to history. Yeah. Like, I'm perfectly happy to say that you know the english have done some really monstrous things yeah and it doesn't affect me and it doesn't affect kind of how i view myself but some people seem really caught up in this idea of excusing history for various reasons and it seems such an odd idea to me because why do you care like 
you go back in history of anywhere, people yeah. are going to have done awful things. Yes. So what's the point of trying to be like some people are doing, being like, oh, the English were actually, they were really good because they banned the slave trade <laughs> and everything like that. It's like, it doesn't matter. We participated in it. Oh, and that's, we got it going. Yeah. Sure. And it's like, you don't have to feel guilty about that, but also you you got to recognise that, you know, it happened and it led to some terrible things. I agree with you. I think it's one of those things where we need to recognise our part in it. Yeah. And, like, there's so many reasons for this. Like, um, so, for example, on a national level, there is some suggestion that the reason why the British were the ones to have the first major industrial revolution was because we had a load of extra cash from having transported right. slaves. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, like, even if we look at our society today, it was formed by the slave trade yeah. and our part in that. And I guess the problem is that if I say that, some people, and even the people listening to this podcast, might have that, like, twinge, mm. which I definitely felt in parts, where you're kind of like, so wait, you're saying that I'm responsible. And I'm not saying that people are responsible, but... Um, or that you even really need to feel guilty about it, no. because that's not a helpful way to respond. But it needs to be acknowledged especially when it comes to then people being racist towards black people nowadays. Yeah. On, like, which has all, like, come out of this, like, history of oppression and reasons to put people down and, like, everything. Yeah. It does affect us. And it is something we need to acknowledge, I think, to move on and be better people. Yeah. And, like, also, I guess the thing is that you could see it in, like, a personal level, too. Mm. So, for example... Like, my family was never super wealthy, mm. but I know that they were shipbuilders. Right. And that they managed to keep going because they were shipbuilders. Yeah. And I would have to be kidding myself if I said that none of the ships <laughs> that they built ever transported slaves. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And, like, maybe if I had, like, a sense of ancestral pride, which I sort of do, I feel like a lot of my ancestors were pretty cool people who managed to keep on going through difficult circumstances. But then I also have to acknowledge that they were part of this, like, slave trading machine and that they also would have benefited from that. Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of a harsh truth. I get that. But I just kind of feel that one's personal responsibility is... Really, it's it's more dependent on how you're viewing the situation than how events, like, unfold and how it's remembered. Well, this got deep. Let's it did, on. yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is meant to be a comedy podcast, but hey-ho. Hey-ho. I mean, we, we already... It's going to be a difficult time. We, we, we preface this with it being a heavy subject. So let's go to your particular individual that you're talking about today. Not quite yet. I've oh, well. one more thing I'm, to say. No, I'm off now. <laughs> God, I'm, I'm done. No, come back. No, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> okay, so like I started off saying, technically none of the black Tudors in England were slaves. There's a few instances which date back to the 1470s of enslaved people challenging their masters and pointing out that they couldn't, for example, be sold once they were in England. Right. Um now there's some question about whether this was actually the law. Mm. But it seems like enough people believed that it was the law yeah. that it like kind of applies. <laughs> I'm thinking of the Berlin Wall falling now. Yeah, I know, right? It's like it was never officially meant to happen, but it was said and so many people turned up that they kind of went, well. well. <laughs> Today, I'm going to talk, tell you the story of one of the Black Tudors mm-hmm. from Miranda Kaufman's book. Um, and this man's particularly important because he helped to shape our understanding of the world as we 
tell it. Oh, okay. I know, right? This story is going to be the story of a man called Diego. 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 It's a good name. It's a good name. He didn't have a surname. Right. So, here's Diego. In 1572, Diego was enslaved. <laughs> like yes. Cher. <laughs> <laughs> Diego's so cool, he doesn't need a second name. Yeah. Diego and Cher. <laughs> Sorry. I'm assuming that he doesn't have a surname for race reasons. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of the black Tudors that are mentioned in Calvin's book were living in England and had like weird punny surnames. Right. So like they clearly had like had their names chosen for them by former masters if they'd been enslaved or they'd chosen it themselves. Right. And often they were called, like their surname was like black or blank, meaning white in Spanish. Of course. As like a joke. Hilarious. So funny. What is it with people in history and like particularly like medieval history, they just love these puns and oh, they're man. always really shit puns. Oh man. <laughs> well, you, you, you had to be there at the time. I guess it was like medieval memes. Style. It really does seem like it. Yeah. So, in 1572, Diego was enslaved mm -hmm. in the household of Captain Gonzalo de Palma. Oh who, my god. Yeah, right? Yes. Great name. That is such a good name. Great name, awful person, he had slaves. Oh, well, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but um, you say captain. Yeah, Captain Gonzalo de Palma was the High Admiral <gasps> and Captain General of Nombre de Dios, which was a town in Spanish-occupied Panama. Damn. Yeah. That is pretty cool. It sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. So Shame about the slaves. Shame about the slaves. And to be honest, it sounds like Nombre de Dios was largely built using slave labour. Apparently, like, a Spanish writer of the time said, we've really got to have more Africans here because the Spanish refused to do anything. Oh my god. I know, right? That's offensive on so many levels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god. Um... <laughs> I'm yeah. not. A, I, I was thinking about doing a little riff on that in my head, and then no, it's just there is no way I'm getting out of that sounding good. No, you but can't do oh that. my god, no. Okay, so this is 80 years after Columbus discovered America for the Europeans. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> well, like people knew maybe that it was there, but like I'm sort of saying, like this is the first big like push to go to America. Okay. Okay. I think there's a lot of arguments around Columbus, sure. um, not only as an individual, but as far as accomplishments go. I mean, for one thing, the Vikings went to America and they knew about it. Yeah, I know. But did the Spanish know about it before Columbus went there? Well, the Vikings went to Spain, so maybe. Uh, Vikings okay. went everywhere. <laughs> so, this was 80 years after Columbus travelled to America and then yeah. the Spanish decided to go there in a big way. Yep, yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> we come to an accord. <laughs> So, the Spanish are starting to build their empire in South America, mm. and they started off using, like, basically enslaving the local population. Mm, as you do. As you do. Uh, but unfortunately, they also brought a load of diseases, like the cold, to South America, yep. and a lot of their enslaved peoples died. So, yeah. they started enslaving Africans and taking them there instead. Right. And so... Nombre de Dios is kind of built by African labour. Um, and it's also kind of important because at the time, 
the Spanish were getting a load of treasure over in Peru, particularly mm-hmm. silver and gold. And Nombre de Dios is where your Spanish treasure fleet goes once a year to pick up all this treasure and take it back to Spain. Right, so this is just like natural resources available, or is it they're taking actual, like, tr- made treasures? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I think both. Okay, cool. So they've got a load of gold and silver. Yeah. Um, by the way, this actually led to hyperinflation in Spain. You shouldn't, like, <laughs> gank a load of people's gold, at least no. Yeah. But, like, this is a really big deal. Spain is getting super wealthy, and you don't want them to be able to hire a load of mercenaries to attack England, for example. Yeah. And the fact that Nombre de Dios has all this silver in it once a year gives Diego his chance to escape slavery. Okay. Because on the 29th of July, 1572, Francis Drake and his men attacked the town in an attempt to take all their silver. And Diego discovered that his master was actually a werewolf and he had all this silver to hand. <laughs> oh man, that would have been cool. Maybe this is what it is. Maybe that's what it is. <gasps> he might... Oh my God, that would make such a great, like, I was going to say story, but probably film. Uh, we sort of going for some weird black exploitation thing where it turns out that all the Spanish are secretly werewolves. Yes. Yes. I'm here for this film. Okay. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that. Let's get Tarantino on the line. <laughs> oh no. I feel that would be dreadful. I mean it would. Yeah. I can't I can't think of a director who would do that well. Anyway, continue. Anyway. anyway. Continue with the actual history. Actual history. A brief aside on Francis Drake. Mm-hmm. So Francis Drake is one of our sort of like stereotypical English hero characters that the Victorians were all about and the Tudors were all about. Mm. And now he's seen as pretty problematic. Well, he did employ all those witches. He did. And possibly sold his soul to the devil. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Why are we talking about Francis Drake? Oh, yeah. Yep, witches. Didn't, didn't he hire witches to destroy um, the Spanish Armada? Yeah. Is that what we're saying? Or possibly he performed the magic himself. Or possibly sold his soul to the devil. I don't think any of those are true. I mean, <laughs> no. No. Uh, However, yes. so the reason why he's traditionally seen as this big hero figure is because he is the first Englishman to circumnavigate the globe. Okay. Which is pretty cool. I actually didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. Um, so this was our, um, this is what's known as the English Renaissance. Right. Which is during... Queen Elizabeth the first mm, reign. Yeah. You get a load more discovery and you get a load more printing and you get Francis Drake circumnavigating the globe and being like, yes, it's definitely round. <laughs> <laughs> so for all you flat earthers out there, f*** off. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he circumnavigated the globe and he helped defeat the Spanish Armada, maybe using witchcraft, probably not. Mm. Um, and also, like, in our kind of typical English are best, everyone else in Europe can suck it kind of way, mm-hmm. um, he was really hated by the Spanish because he kept attacking their ships and stealing their treasure. Yeah, wasn't he basically a pirate? Or a privateer? Uh, he was a privateer. Yeah. But the Spanish always call him a pirate. Yeah. And it's like, fair enough, you do you. Yeah. Like, he definitely put the Spanish to a lot of inconvenience. He definitely raided and captured ships. He raided and captured ships and stole people as well and, like, kept them on board for a while. Yeah. Um, so... Like, if we're going to do a sort of, like, jolly hockey sticks, rah-rah, England-type thing, 
Being like, yeah, England, then Francis Drake, amazing. Do you mean, yeah, England, or yahar, England? Yeah, we are all pirates we're here. We're all pirates here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's why the House of Commons have I and nay. <laughs> what do you say, I? I. <laughs> well, it can't be much worse than our current government. Yeah, if they were just a bit more obvious about their, you know, criminal activities and... I really want to see Boris Johnson with a tricorn hat. I mean, I'd rather have a proper pirate just kick Boris Johnson out (laughs) and go, this be our government now, we've captured it. (laughs) And then they, like, set sail on the Houses of Parliament. Oh my god, coming up with so many good story ideas right yes. now. <laughs> you could even do it as a sci-fi thing. Space oh, wow. pirates and you have a space house as a parliament. Amazing. Yes. 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 Okay, so. On the other hand, <laughs> talking about Francis Drake being problematic. Yep. So. He was a member of his relative William Hawkins household. Mm-hmm. So he grew up with William Hawkins. Okay. Which is like kind of a common thing back in the Tudor times that you'd spend, <laughs> like you'd grow up in your relative's household. You mean it was common? Everyone grew up with William Hawkins. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he grew up in William Hawkins' household. And William's son, John Hawkins, was the first English slave trader. Oh, there hooray. And um, he was a slave trader for about a decade Mm -hmm. and he transported about one and a half thousand slaves across the Atlantic to South America. Okay. Obviously, because Francis Drake was part of this household and Mm -hmm. interested in ships, Mm -hmm. um, he took part in the slave trading for a couple of years. Saw that coming. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Hawkins and Drake gave up slave trading in 1568, um, but not for any good reason. I was going to say, it's not going to be for noble reasons of morality. Oh, I bet no. it just wasn't profitable or something. It's because the Spanish destroyed five of their seven ships. Right. And they lost a bunch of cash. Right. So there's Francis Drake. He is a problematic character. Mm-hmm. Like We can be like, oh, yay, he did all this stuff, which is great. But on the other hand... Mm. Yes, a mm. pragmatic slaver. He is a pragmatic slaver. And I think that's how we have to like keep him in mind for the rest of the story. Yeah. He's a super pragmatic guy. Yeah. So, Francis Drake wants to attack Nombre de Dios because there's a bunch of silver there. Mm-hmm. And when his ships are at the shore and a couple of people have gone like, into the town to find out where the silver would be kept, and yeah. this kind of thing, uh, he gets approached by Diego. Okay. And Diego approaches these ships and shouts to them, asking to be taken on board. Right. And obviously, because he only speaks Spanish, hmm. they shoot at him three or four times. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I know, right? Um, they put, like, this is their records, by the way. Jesus. They're like, oh yeah, so he, he was shot at three or four times. <laughs> so it's probably 30 or 40 times in reality. Uh, could be. <laughs> um, but then they took him on board. They're right. like, okay, let's listen to what he has to say. <laughs> you survived being shot, we're taking you on board. Well done, congrats. <laughs> you passed alive. the first trial. 
this is your first trial to get into the pirate house of Commons. <laughs> I mean, I'm still here for it. Yeah, I, sure. I'm not going to say this is a bad thing right now. You don't get voted for. They just see if they can shoot at you without you dying. <laughs> you have you have duels with like pistols and muskets. Oh my god, yes. Okay. So, uh, he tells um, Drake and his crew that they're in great danger because eight days earlier, the King of Spain had sent 150 soldiers to Nombre de Dios Oof. to guard them against attacks from the Cimarrones, which I'm going to tell you about them in a bit. Okay. By the way, this was a total lie. Oh, okay. He hadn't sent 150 soldiers to guard them against the Cimarrones. He did send some soldiers after Drake attacked them. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. So it was Diego just kind of bluffing here. Diego really wants to go to England. Yeah. This is his motivation because he's heard that in England there are no slaves. Right. And as an enslaved person, he's like, I think this is a good move. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a risky bluff. I'll oh, give him sure. that. But fair play, Diego. But it's basically like, I can give you information and you can take me with you. Yeah. And then I won't have to be the slave to, oh my gosh, what's his name? But it was fantastic. Gonzalo de Palma. Yeah. Captain, Captain Gonzalo de Palma. So, this raid that Drake carries out, he still sort of carries it out, but it's a massive bust. Because the Spanish fleet's already been and gone. Yeah. There's no silver. Right. Um, but now they've got Diego. Yahar. Yahar. But now they've got Diego. Yahar! <laughs> Diego has local knowledge. Oh, well, that's always useful. Super useful. So Diego says, why don't we go and find the Cimarrons mm -hmm. who've been attacking Nombre de Dios? Because they genuinely had been attacking yeah. Nombre de Dios. The Cimarrons were escaped Africans yeah. who had been who had set up their own settlements mm -hmm. and carried out attacks on the Spanish regularly. Um, they wanted to liberate other slaves. Damn, fair play. And they also wanted to steal Spanish supplies. Yeah, I can see that. Which is like, yeah. yeah, absolutely, fair enough. <laughs> One Spanish official reckoned that there were about 3,000 of them in the area around Nombre de Dios by 1573. Wow. 3,000? 3,000. Do we have any idea how many people were in Nombre de Dios? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> but, like, considering that uh, John Hawkins was a slave trader for a decade and transported half that number across. Um, it's like pretty impressive. They did a super good job of getting themselves free and yeah. liberating other people. Yeah. And um, apparently the first one to, like the first people to become Cimarron's um, was only 10 years after the initial like Spanish rediscovery of America. Right, okay. Um, so they'd been going for a while. Yeah. And one of the Spanish officials in Nombre de Dios reckoned that about 300 people escaped every year. Damn. So yeah, like these people are not putting up with stuff. No, fair play. I know. Now, these guys are really useful to Francis Drake. So Diego introduces them, introduces them to um, Pedro, their leader, hmm. um, and they know exactly when the Spanish are going to be moving their gold and silver to Nombre de Dios. Right. And they also really want to work with the English because they love attacking the Spanish wherever possible. <laughs> and so do the English. So the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Absolutely. Right. So by this point, it's around September. 
Yeah. And the Spanish wouldn't be moving their treasure until spring. Mm-hmm. So the English decided to set up camp in the Gulf of San Blas nearby. Right. And their camp that they built, along with the help of Diego, who apparently was amazing at building houses. Nice. And the Cimarrones, who were also amazing at building houses, was called Fort Diego. Oh, that's cool. Right? Yeah. Because Diego managed to ha- help this whole plan to work. He was yeah. like the go-between. He introduced them all. So they named it after him. Nice. Which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, so together with the Cimarrones and some French Corsairs, in spring, Drake's crew managed to steal more than 150,000 pesos. I'm not sure what that is in today's money, but I think it's a lot. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds French. like a lot. It's Whoa! Like a lot. 150,000? 150,000 pesos. Damn. And then they go home. Yeah, well, you would. Yeah. Uh, When they depart for England, Diego travels with them. Nice. Good on you, Diego. Yeah, he managed to get exactly what he wanted, and he seems to have been, like, pretty awesome at doing it. (laughs) He steps foot on the ship, and immediately he changes. I be Diego now. (laughs) (laughs) Get my doubloons. (laughs) So, Diego is just kind of awesome. Yeah. He's also the reason why Francis Drake became the first Englishman to see the Pacific, because the Cimarrones took them on a like a journey, basically, before they um, took down the Spanish mm. um, mule train that was yeah. carrying all of this, um, to see the Pacific. Well, so just crossing the continent, basically. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's cool. Which is, like, super cool. That's very impressive. I mean, you you said South America, right? Yeah, we're in the sort of north bit, though, so it's, like, now. I mean, even so, that's yeah. still impressive. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, so, the Cimarrones, damn cool people. Yeah. We never get to meet them again in this story. Aww. Um, because, basically, um, I think by the time that they turn up again and people go over to try and interact with them, they, it's been 10 years and they've started teaming up with the Spanish for various things. Oh. But they're still pretty awesome and... Yeah. Like... I, I mean, know. it was better than I expected because part of me was expecting it to be like, okay, so at this point the Spanish turned up with like an enormous fleet and just killed them all. Oh, no, no, no. So at least they survived, which... Yeah, okay, yeah. cool, yeah. Um, but we do still hear about Diego again. Yay! Yay! And next time we hear about Diego is on Drake's most famous voyage, which is in when... On Drake's most famous voyage, which is in 1577, mm-hmm. when he set off to become the first Englishman to circumnavigate the globe. Right. Now, Kaufman points out that while we tend to think of this voyage as being exploration and scientific discovery, which it was... Mm-hmm. Drake definitely wanted to attack as many Spanish ships and harbours as possible <laughs> and to steal their gold and silver. Oh my god, he's incorrigible. Okay, I kind of love it because there are loads of accounts in this book of conversations he had with various Spaniards that he took as prisoners or ships that he took. And literally every time he talks to anyone, it's like, where's the silver and gold? <laughs> While Drake wants to steal Spanish gold, it means that Diego is going to be super useful to help him out because... Speak Spanish. He's fluent in Spanish and because he's black, he can act as a spy really easily by pretending to be a slave. Ah, right. So he's like a useful guy to have around. Yeah. So he takes Diego with him, obviously. Yep. On the 25th of November... 1578, 
Drake's crew lands on Mocha Isle off the coast of Chile. Super good place for a coffee. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, Since it's off the coast of Chile, do you think it was an iced mocha? Hey. Actually, it's a really good place for them to land to get snacks, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why? Um, so, they meet the inhabitants of Mocker Isle, mm-hmm. who seem like really nice people. Uh, they give them two sheep, chickens, guinea wheat, which is like the name for maize. Oh, right. And fruit. Okay. And when they ask for it, they give them drinking water as well. Oh, nice. Such nice people. And apparently, like, there's... They kept records of everything. Yeah. Um, so apparently, the mutton and the chicken was so good that they went to sleep all the quicker because they were really excited to have more of it tomorrow. <laughs> I cannot wait for breakfast. Oh, my God. It's delicious. <laughs> I actually really know that mood. You know when you're really excited yeah. about what your breakfast is going to be like? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Drake's crew, super excited for food the next day. Yeah. So, the next day, they're really excited to go and see the islanders again. So, they go back to the island. And they were shot. Yeah, okay, right. With arrows as thick as gnats in the sun. All right. Um, Diego was hit. Oh, no. 20 times. What? Yeah, he was hit 20 times with arrows. <laughs> That's how he got his name, Diego the Porcupine. Um, so wait, so the islanders shot at them? Yeah. Okay, so was the first one kind of like tribute so they go away? No, it turns out right. this might actually be Diego's fault. Okay. Um, because when they were asking for drinking water, yeah, someone used the word agua, right, for water, yeah, which is Spanish for mm-hmm. water. And the Mocha Islanders had previously met Spaniards and had a bad run-in with them, right. So they now reckon that these guys are also Spanish, right, and can't be trusted. Okay. Right. So the first time it was like, hey, people we don't know, it's fine. Yeah. Then someone says something in Spanish, they're like, like, oh. Get off of our island. <laughs> Except with arrows. I know, yeah. but, you know, it doesn't. You, yeah. Arrows don't really make much of a noise. It's just sort of like when you're drawing the string. <laughs> so, given that um, Diego is like. And like Spanish is his first language, mm. it's quite possible that he was the one who asked for yeah. agua. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> but it was really sad because they don't get any more of that good meat. Oh, no more of that good mutton. Good mutton, so <laughs> sweet. <laughs> Literally, they said it was so sweet. Like I'm like, mm. right? Yeah. <laughs> Diego's been hit twenty times, mm-hmm. but he lives for another year. El Porcupino. <laughs> and then he dies of his injuries. Oh year. no! Um, but it's not, like, no one's really certain how that happens. Yeah, that's a pretty long while. Like, I, I know that some wounds do, like, last a long time. Yeah. A year Captain after. thinks that he might have got scurvy. Apparently, when you get right. scurvy, your old wounds, like, reopen. Oh, I didn't know that. And he's got a lot of old wounds. <laughs> he's got a lot of old wounds. <laughs> Diego. Yeah. Um, so, but 
living for another year is like quite important because they're still circumnavigating the globe. Yeah. So he's there for most of their discoveries. Nice. Um, when he dies, they've got as far as Indonesia. Okay. Um, the Moluccas, which I believe are islands off the coast of Indonesia. Right. Um, and we know that he lived that long for a couple of reasons. So first of all, um, Francis Drake kept records of everything that happened on this voyage, yeah. and then they were written up afterwards. Okay. And also, um, he captured a few people who were Spanish and Portuguese off their ships, mm-hmm. um, and these people had chats with Diego, oh, like, nice. personally. Um, and so in their records, they mentioned stuff that he said. Yeah. And they either mention him by name as Diego, or yeah. they say, like, I was talking with this black man who spoke English and Spanish. Yeah. So we can be pretty sure that's him. Yeah. We do know there were two other black men on the ship. Mm-hmm. And later on, there was also a black woman called Maria, um, who, more about her later. Oh, no. Well, we don't have to, actually, if it's a bit, like... I mean, just just from the facial expression you gave me, <laughs> I'm instantly worried. Um, yeah, let's let's not talk about Maria. I think. Okay. Let's just delete Maria from our yeah, records. Yeah, sure. Um, except that you know she existed and was part of this. Yeah. Thing. Um, so I'm going to bring us on then to Diego's final claim to fame. Mm-hmm. So before he dies in Indonesia. Yeah. Uh, we know that Francis Drake sailed north after the incident at Mocha. Yeah. Um, and he stayed for some weeks in California. Okay. And he got that far north. Wow, yeah. Um, and we don't know exactly where it was. Mm-hmm. But what we do know is that he nailed a brass plate to a post before he left. Okay. Laying claim to the territory in the name of Queen Elizabeth. Amazing. I know, right? <laughs> and no one did anything about that for like... It's that Eddie Izzard thing. Do you have a flag? Do you have a brass plate? (laughs) Um, So it's likely that Diego, along with the two other men and Maria, Mm -hmm. um, was the first black person to set foot in California. Oh, nice. And he also was the first black man to enter North America in company with Englishmen Ah. uh, 40 years before the first um, enslaved Africans were brought to Virginia. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's got kind of like a pretty big claim to fame there, I reckon. Yeah. Um, There were other black people in North America before him. Mm -hmm. Um, They were brought with the Spanish. Yeah. Uh, So then they only went to Florida, Texas, and Arizona. Right. But he was the first to come with good, honest Englishmen. Absolutely. Oh, my. Oh, my. So that's our story of Diego, the man who nearly circumnavigated the globe, who really helped with that mission. Like, it's quite possible that a lot of this wouldn't have been possible without him, his his skills and his knowledge, um, who brought, uh, like, thousands of pesos back to England, Mm. um, who helped with negotiating between Francis Drake and the Cimarans, and... These are all things that we, like, that in the whole people don't really know about. No, but he sounds like a super smart dude. Yeah, like, he sounds like pretty much a genius. Yeah. Um, he's multilingual, he's a really good negotiator, mm. he's clearly quite convincing because he managed to get on the ships <laughs> after <laughs> their fire deck. <laughs> and, yeah. And, um... <laughs> they fire at him, he just holds up a hand. I say good boy! <laughs> I say, I don't speak English yet, but you're going to understand me anyway. 
It's just not on! <laughs> Uh, and we decided that Diego's got a posh English accent. I don't, I don't know, know, but I like story. it. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, I wanted to bring this story because I think it's like really important, and it's one of those things where we're just not like if you created a story of Francis Drake circumnavigating the globe, and yeah. then you had this black man Diego helping him out all the time, people would think it was made up. Yeah. Like. It would be one of those things where you'd have all these internet forums being all really grumpy about yeah. it, but it's true, yeah. and it's a reasonably common thing to happen. He's not the only person doing this by any means. Yeah, I was going to say, so obviously, like, in this episode, we focus specifically on Diego, but as yeah. you said, like, the book you read was a series of stories of different people. Yeah. Like, black people were not a complete oddity in history. No. Like... like as I said, there were two other black men yeah. on the ship. We just don't know them by name. Yeah. Um, one of them also spoke Spanish. Mm. Um, and they were also, you know, not just sitting by on the ship. They were part of the crew and part yeah. of the help for it. Um, we know that on different journeys that Francis Drake had, he would occasionally pick up other enslaved Africans or free Africans who could help them out with stuff. Like... Because they were helpful, he was interested in what they had to do and say, and yeah. So what you're saying is that the Kevin Cosner Robin Hood film is historically accurate with Morgan Freeman's presence? No. <laughs> um, like... God, that's a dreadful film. <laughs> if that, one, that one ticks me off a little bit. Yeah? Uh, just because... Okay, so... It's highly probable that there would have been black people in England at the time in some incidents. Yes. Like, uh, to use another example from the Black Tudors book, mm -hmm. we know that one of Henry VIII's trumpeters was black mm -hmm. and that he came from Spain as a free man um, in the company of um, Catherine of Aragon. Right. Like, it was pretty common to have black people in the Spanish court. Yeah. And, well, that makes sense. Yeah. And the Spanish and the Portuguese have interacted with the English for centuries yeah so there's no reason why that wouldn't have happened earlier as well just not being recorded so why does the historical document of <laughs> robin hood prince of thieves take you off so much um just because i'm pretty sure isn't his character meant to be arab yes he is yeah morgan freeman's not arab oh no yes no right yeah i see what you mean yeah yeah it's just like Sure, whatever. Like, Morgan Freeman's awesome in anything. Like, I really don't care if he turns up wherever he wants. <laughs> he can be Henry VIII and something for all I care. But... That'd be great. Yeah, right? He would... Actually, I think he could do a good one. I think he'd do a good Henry VIII. Really, yes. Yeah. Morgan Freeman, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's up to him if he gets cast as Henry VIII. It's probably up to him now. I mean, uh, he's a big enough influence, isn't he? I suppose so, yeah. But, like, it's a bit... It is definitely tokenism when you go, okay, so we want a person of colour, so let's get in Morgan Freeman. You know? Yeah, I, I see what you mean. And it's like, but he's not that colour. No, yeah. it's fine, whatever. <laughs> no one cares. Right. Oh. <laughs> uh... I still, I still do have a bit of a soft spot for that film, just because it's so trash. Oh yeah, <laughs> you gotta love a trash film. Yeah. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how to wrap this one up, to be honest. No, well, I mean, I think it's a great story. Like, I, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I had a vague idea of what this was about. I didn't know specifically because when you were reading the book, you told me like little bits of different yeah. stories here. 
But Diego just sounds like an awesome person. And you're absolutely right. It's one of these people who you wouldn't, or one might not believe it if you saw this character in a historical TV show or anything like that. But I guess it's just that people's perceptions of history are very much driven by media rather than, you know, actual historical studies. Sure, and that makes sense, because we're going to spend a lot more time watching TV than we are reading historical, like, accurate historical, up-to-the-date books, aren't we? Exactly, and and those very same things tend to play on tropes and ideas, so I think the idea that people kind of have is that you've got, in history, you have white Europeans, and then later on you have the rest of the world as well. And obviously that's just... It's so not true. It's so not true, but it it still permeates and it's still kind of... You get the people who will argue that something is historically inaccurate if it has anyone who is not a white European. Yep. And quite frankly, those people can go f*** themselves <laughs> because Diego is awesome and I want to see him in a TV show. I mean, same. Is this how we'll leave it? I with, think that's how we'll leave it. Um, TV executives who are listening, I know you're out there. Yeah. Make this happen. Make it happen because I am here for that show. So thanks very much for listening to this episode of That Time When. Uh, rate and subscribe. Uh, review us on Spotify. Not on Spotify. Review us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Not based on this outro that I've already muddled up. Uh, follow us on Spotify, on SoundCloud if you want. You can email us at ttwpod at gmail.com if you have any ideas for topics, for example. I mean... Like we said last week, we've kind of caught up with ourselves now, so we don't have a nice big backlog of things that we can get through. <laughs> I'm actually going to start checking the Gmail soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I already am, don't worry. Oh, okay. Yeah. But at the moment, it's mostly just messages from bots on SoundCloud oh, going nice. like, hey, if you follow me, I can promote your thing and you'll get 2,100 new listeners a month. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Where's our 2,100 new listeners then, Barnaby? Well, I haven't been following bots, but oh. yeah. <laughs> But anyway, you can get in touch with us that way. Uh, we have our Twitter at that time when or at that time when for. Um, and join us next time where I will be back in the saddle and I now have to work out what the hell that episode's going to be about. <laughs> thank you so much. And also a final thank you to Kevin McLeod for all of our music of as well. Of course. And thank you to you for listening to this episode.